Hello and welcome to Screw It. We're just going to talk about comics. That's comic books, everybody. This is the only podcast where two brothers talk about a thing they like, nay, love, comic books. I'm one of the two hosts slash one of the two brothers slash one of the uh, the kind of comedians, Kevin Hines. And I'm the other one of all those things. Unless, Will Hines, I like that you didn't commit to love. I said nay, love. Yeah, but you didn't commit to it, you know. Right. You maintain oh, nice. some emotional distance between us and this medium. I mean, I said it. I said the word love. I don't know what else you want from me. You know what? I'm moving on. Okay, well, fair enough. Really, really broke you there. Mm-hmm. As um, as an advocate up? for comics. What's up? Nothing's up. Yeah, I got, I my did. life is nothing. It's not, I don't know. You know, everything's the same. Great, great, great. Um. So we are in the midst of our Cosmic Rays and Correspondence series within our show where we answer emails from our listeners and we pair that with, uh, right now, currently, uh, a rereading of John Byrne's Fantastic Four comics. Yeah, I can't wait. These are from the uh, 80s, like a lot of what we cover is. I mean, I they assume were that covering based on our podcast, comic books stopped in about 1988. Yeah, that's right. They had like one burst where Superior <laughs> Spider-Man came out, and that was it. <laughs> um, uh, we're covering issues 252, 253, and 254 mm-hmm. today. Mm-hmm. Next week, we're going to cover three more issues of Fantastic Four. So 255, 256, 257. And then we're going to start our new season. Well, what is our new season? Our new season, Kevin, is four episodes, we think, somewhere around there, probably four, on the comic book Zot, uh, which came mm-hmm. out in the 80s from like, I think like 85 until 1990, something like that. Um, and by Scott McCloud, who's more famous as the as the author slash artist of understanding comics, but he also made Zot, which is a really terrific comic book that I feel like is not in the comic book mindset as much as we feel it deserves to be. Um, yeah, and uh, also we're going to have a special guest for those episodes, our brother Brian. Yeah, the third uh, Heinz brother. Yeah, so also um, a kind of comedian. He's also a kind of comedian, yeah. Um, and he will be a brother and co-host for, for those episodes. Be, yeah, and he'll be talking about a thing he loves. Or may love. All right. And I know we're all we're all big fans of Zot, so we will all be excited to discuss it. Yeah. And I wonder what our audience will think. I assume there'll be some members of the audience that will have read Zot, but I bet I you a lot have not. I looked. I tried to look into this last night. The one problem with covering Zot, like a lot of stuff we cover, especially since it's Marvel, we can just say like you can read it on Marvel Unlimited, or uh, there's collections. Everything's collected a thousand times over. Um, I don't know if Zot is available digitally. I tried to find it. I found some sort of weird Kindle <laughs> versions that did not have Scott McCloud's name as author. So I don't know how legit those are. Okay. Um, it seems like the black and white issue collection is still available on Amazon. So that covers issues 11 through 30, 30. 
Uh, 30, I don't know. 36 if, maybe? Yeah, yeah, 11 I through 36. I don't know if issues 1 through 10 are available. Oof. So um, that's weird about it. Uh, I don't know if those there's a way to get those easily without like already having them. Man, the, so people, unlike me, they can't just walk over to their bookshelf and pick it up and read it. Yeah, so we'll just have to keep that in mind when we're covering it. We'll tell you all about Zod. Um, we think it's really great. Even if you just had the black and white volume, I think it's still very good and readable. I don't yeah. think you are – they're kind of almost like two different story books about the same characters. Yeah, they really but are. We'll, we'll talk about that when we're covering it. But um, if you want to read along, we're – we're going to cover three of the black and white issues, only one of the color issues. We haven't picked the exact issue numbers. We'll hopefully know that by next week. Um, and I'll post it on Instagram as soon as we do know it. Uh, but most of the issues we're going to talk about are black and white issues. We'll talk about the color issues kind of all in the first episode. I'm excited to get into it. So um, yeah. even though we are picking something that is inaccessible to our <laughs> – to our, you know what? Yeah. That's even more reason for people to follow our Instagram because you can at least see the art and get snippets of what the characters look like if you follow our Instagram, Screw yeah. It Comics. Um, so, yeah, that's coming up. Again, next week we'll be doing one more Cosmic Raising Correspondence, and then the week after that we'll start our Zot season, which we think will run four episodes. Yes. Could be 100. Four to 100. Yeah, somewhere there's, in there. There's 36 episodes. <laughs> Issues. Yeah, there's 36 issues, so we might need to cover each issue across two to three episodes. That'll well, slow get, us down if we well, do Once that. we get to issue 10 and a half, the stick figure one, I think we're going to have to go panel by panel episode for... Uh, and 14 and a half. Yeah. That's two half issues. Those really will slow down. Matt yep. Fiesel, get him on the show. I bet he would go on our show in a heartbeat. I'll I'll look into it. I'll talk to our booker. Um, uh, you know, we might even be able to get Scott McCloud. We don't try to get guests very well. No, we're lazy. We we're not we're we're less rejected and more not asking people. Yeah. Although we're also we've also been rejected. We have been rejected. <laughs> but also I think there's far more guests we'd like to have that we just never asked. Right. Um anyway, let's move into our segment that is currently called Loose Screws. Yeah, this is our media adjacent media segment. Mm -hmm. So the person who recommended Loose Screws could tell Will that you weren't, weren't crazy about it. Okay. So they've made another suggestion. Okay. This We're never going to say who this person Instagram. is. I I have my Instagram open because today I was prepared. Okay. On Instagram, he's Ticket Kev. No relation okay. to me. Um, I'm also a Kev, but not Ticket Kev. Okay. So he says, okay, you like but are not loving loose screws. And I hear your feedback while using the podcast title doesn't really speak to what the segment is about. All right. All right. Let's try this one on for size. You use this segment to talk about anything but comics. So how about we're just talking? Eh? Eh? Not <laughs> bad, right? I mean, it answers the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've got, I got to put it on the whiteboard. We got screw-ons, loose yeah. screws, and we're just talking. Yeah. We've also got a few emails with suggestions, too. So I guess we'll get to that in our email segment. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think yeah. I might like something like Media Matters or like, Ugh. you know. Um, media Matters is so boring, though. It doesn't feel like us. It just that feels like that feels like uh, the segment. If you're watching the Today Show, that's the kind of person I am. How about media absorbing men? <laughs> Man, how about how about uh, 
Right now, for me, Loose Screws is still the top top choice. Okay, how about Oracle's Corner? Like someone who Loose has... Screws kind of sounds like this is miscellaneous. Okay, yeah. Well, I'm easily bossed around, so I don't mind going with Loose Screws. Right, but you want to call it Time to Talk About Media with Will Hines <laughs> and Kevin Hines. Now you're talking. The media Corner. <laughs> uh, corner. Corner is too exciting. Movie, media movie, Mesa. Movie time. <laughs> um, anyway. Do we have anything to talk about for loose screws slash media absorbing men? <laughs> no. Yeah, I don't think I do either. I'm yeah. trying to think. Have I? Um... Yeah, I've been rereading Gru comics. Uh, yeah, how's how's it going? Do you still like him? Still love it. Um, I, I read the old Pacific comic ones. The so the original pre Marvel Gru. Okay. And my main takeaway was he was smarter than. Grew. Yeah. He's still stupid, but he's smarter and it makes it sad because like he knows he's screwing everything up in those comics. <laughs> like he's trying and failing and everyone hates him and he's always sad. Which grew the barbarian, a sort of very, very loose parody of Conan the Barbarian. Mm-hmm. Really just more a barbarian type com- what if Conan was an idiot? <laughs> yeah. Um and it's a humor comic. It's by Sergio Ragnos, uh, the guy who drew the interstitial margin stuff in mad magazine yeah um and it's a really funny comic and i love it uh anyway i was rereading those old ones and he's he's just smart enough to be sad and i'm like oh it's good that he gets dumber soon because it gets happier yeah i think he's a pretty happy character most of the time i mean he's like hungry and like he wants and he you know he's not satisfied necessarily all the time but he's not like sad most of the time yeah anyway it breaks my heart to see grew so sad (laughs) <laughs> um well i'm glad that you still like grew i know he's been a long time favorite of yours yeah we're good friends and uh yeah i've i've i replayed the video game control this week and it's got nothing to do with comic books and i've and i've i watched um and i'm getting ready to watch 28 days later danny boyle movie and you've seen it though i watch it again it. I've seen it two or three times. You and I saw it in the theater, and then I, I think I bought it on DVD because I wanted to watch the like alternate endings and stuff. I've definitely seen it at least twice. I saw the sequel just once, I think. I've never seen the sequel. It's fine. 28 <laughs> weeks later. Yeah, good name. They could do 28 years later now. They could, they could. I mean, that'd be a, I mean, they should. That sounds great, actually. <laughs> Um, I don't remember much about 20 weeks later. I remember a couple of small things, but uh, 28 days later, man, that first half of that movie is incredible. Everybody criticizes the end of it, but I, I, I like the end of it too. It's weird to say I like the end of it. It's a bleak ending, but I, I enjoyed the, the, uh, I like the whole movie. I just think it's an incredible start. And then by the end, it just feels more like just every other zombie movie, I guess. Yeah. It's kind of every other zombie movie the whole way through, but it just felt fresh and cool for the first half. Yeah. I mean, that's asking a ton. It's scared to the be like, out of me. this movie should be original and different, but also, you know, pull on these tropes of all these classic men. I don't know. It's, it's a tall order and they pulled most of it off. And it and really became uh, influential. Well. I mean, like, you know, thinking about how many things now look like, 20, like The Last of Us is mm-hmm. inspired by, it's got to be inspired by 28 Days Later. Uh, certainly the remake of Dawn of the Dead was, in, you know, the whole fast zombie thing. Fast zombies became a big thing, yeah. 
And I like fast zombies. I like both. I like that they both exist. Even just like using digital film to kind of allow it to be sort of lo-fi as a choice was like mm-hmm. something 28 days later. Anyway, uh, it's good. It's what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, but I but I haven't watched it recently. I'm planning on watching it. <laughs> and that's another edition of media let us, people. Let us sit amongst our media. Um, hey, you're right. Loose screws is sounded pretty good. Yeah, it's simple. It's it's poppy. It's peppy. But uh, we'll see. Maybe we get some better suggestions. It's not like we ever stick to anything. This no. segment might not last much longer. For all we know, but that could have been the last one. Um. Let's talk about the Fantastic Four, Will. Okay. Issue two. How many people are on this team? There's no way to know. Um, uh, And also, I don't know what adjective I would use to describe them. (laughs) Right. I think they're pretty amazing myself, but okay. I'd say they are um, above average. Okay. The above average, some number of people. (laughs) Uh, so let's talk about issue 252. So when we left off issue 251, the Fantastic Four had just journeyed into the negative zone, which is a place they go to pretty frequently. Yeah. Um, and it's sort of a parallel dimension where a lot of bad guys live, particularly the big one is Annihilus, whose name yep. is almost the word Annihilation. Yep. Um, so and right after bad. they left, Annihilus showed up in the Baxter building and sort of choking Alicia. Ben, uh, Grimm's ben Grimm's girlfriend. Uh, girlfriend, yeah. Yeah. And that's sort of where we left off. Now, this issue, Will, is a special collector's edition. Yeah, they, and we know that because they tell us that on the cover, which is how you know something is special. <laughs> yeah. When the people who are making it are like, this, that's very Stan Lee. It also says the world's most innovative comic magazine instead of the world's greatest comic magazine. They're really hitting us. What makes this so special? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's horizontal. It's all double-paged art, right? It's all sideways. I don't even think it's double paged. It is just you read this comic on the on the side. Yeah, because there's still just this is not a double sized issue, and like there's still whatever twenty some pages. So this comic is just read uh, lengthwise instead of you kind of hold it like a calendar and you're flipping the pages up rather than uh, vertically. Which um, I've read other comics like this. I find it uh, annoying. (laughs) Uh, It works better digitally, to be honest. Yeah. Um, but like when I've read paper books like this, it doesn't really work for me just because like this flipping up is not as conducive to reading the comic. Yeah. Uh, J.H. Williams III just did a comic that was sort of printed like this, but he has the staples on the side. So it's just like it's like a long, thin comic book and you still read it like a comic book, but it is dimensionally the same as this. Oh, interesting. And it is great. That works fine for me. I have no problem with that. Okay. <laughs> it's also a lot of double page spreads and J.H. Williams art is very pretty good. Um, but yeah, uh, so I remember reading this as a, a kid and being like, oh, cool idea, but it doesn't really work for me. Digitally, I think it works great. It gives it a different feel. I remember just being, ex- you know, this was a time when there just were not a lot of things being done differently. So something like this did make it stand out a lot. Yeah, for sure. We're, we're before the era of variant covers. We're before the era of like, you know, the I don't even know if the Dark Knight has come out. Maybe it has, but there aren't a ton of like special thick paper editions of anything. Oh, yeah. I mean, I certainly don't read this and go, why'd you even do this? It's like, it's a cool thing to try. It just, 
doesn't quite work for me as a physical thing, but I love that he's trying things and doing different things. I also love that he's just doing like this sort of this arc, this negative zone arc, which feels to me like basically Star Trek. It is very Star Trek. Yeah, just go to a planet and see what you find. Yeah, they're like journeying through the negative zone, but there's not a lot of connective tissue in the negative zone between issues. It's just like, here's the thing they're visiting this week. Right. Um, But it feels very different than the stuff that came before, while still sort of being his sort of like one-off science fiction story vibe that John Byrne really seems to love writing. Yeah, so uh, he's definitely excited about it. Um, Mm -hmm. And it looks great. Burns art is great. Yeah, even the cover, just the composition of the four of them just looks so pleasing to the eye. Uh, and this is a weird adjective to use to describe art, but John Burns' art feels solid, like just just everything is locked in place very deliberately and easy to look at in a way. It's like candy. Yeah, I kind of mentioned this after we came back to this after reading the Marvel first season where it's just like, oh, it's just great to read a comic that is just like well put together. Yeah, which doesn't sound like a really flashy thing, but like Burns comics, particularly uh, at this time, he put thought into it. It doesn't feel like that slapdash of the first, the Marvel firsts. Yeah, uh, but it's also not like overly showy. It's just like it's getting the job done. And I mean, I think it's very pretty and very great looking. No, I know what you mean. It's not. It's not like. It's not the story. Is he's telling you a story rather than showing off a drawing? For yeah. example. It leads your eyes great, and there's always something interesting happening. We talked about it last week with the backgrounds kind of coming and going where they make sense. Um, Some people and as are, you said, like this covers like with the human torch and the thing, which are the more flashy members on either side. It just like there's thought to it. It doesn't feel like he's just sort of throwing things out there. It's like he's balancing this, and it, it's just a well put together, it's a well put together product. Um, now, do we say this last week? Something. I'm sure we said it at some point in talking about the negative zone, but one like problem I have with the negative zone is just like, I'm never, I'm not sure what the rules are for the negative zone. Like everyone seems to speak English. Okay. That's why, you know, why not have that happen rather than deal with the logistics of translators and stuff. Time seems to be the same there. Like everything's the same. It's not like you go Time's to another not year. the same there. But like they talk about ten thousand years in this story, and that's supposed to oh, be yeah. the we, same we, relative. I guess we to... we don't know, but yes, okay, yes, I see what you mean. But like time passes differently in the negative zone than in our world, right? They're going a different. It's like Narnia, where you can go into mm-hmm. one world and come back, and a different amount of time has gone by. But it just seems to be like, what is the difference between going to the negative zone and just going somewhere else in our universe? Not a lot. Yeah. The way Byrne is presenting it, there's no difference from this to outer space right. other than like outer space is pretty well mined in the Marvel Universe. And this has a lot more unknown. Yeah, it's kind of just tucked in its own continuity or something. Yeah. Like that. Um, yeah, because like in the early Kirby Lee issues, it was sort of like anti-matter, things, or anti-matter something. and things were exploding and like you couldn't survive in there very long. Um, but in this, it's like it's literally just going to space. But every it is Star Trek because every planet has breathable oxygen. Yeah. Everyone speaks your language. Uh, you show up and you mess with people's lives that you know nothing <laughs> about. Yeah. Sometimes that helps them. Sometimes it doesn't. And then you yeah. leave and go about your business. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's why it feels very Star Trek to me. Uh, all that parts. But yeah, the rules 
of Burns' negative zone are a lot tamer than Kirby's. I mean, I guess, you know, it's still just outer space where it's like anything could happen. Like, we don't know, like, who's good and who's bad and, and what this means. But, like, it, yeah, it's no different than any other uh, realm. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm glad that he had fun doing it. Still better than the brood. Uh, I'm not sure. I am. Brood fan number one right here. <laughs> You want to go in to this yes. issue? Let's do it. This issue is called Cityscape. Um, and it starts with like sort of like caveman people. Uh, yeah. Like a woman who is like washing her clothes and her inner monologue is about how she did something to like lose her status. And she's no longer going to marry somebody that she was going to marry. And instead, she is a bride of uh, uh, Utah, Utah, uh, which we don't know what it means at this point. But the guy she was supposed to marry is like, let's run away so you don't have to be a bride of Utah. She's like, no, I have to. And then uh, a spaceship lands on their planet, and it's the Fantastic Four. And um, and the Fantastic Four come out of their spaceship. Once again, we're marking on how comfortable it was to sit in that spaceship. That's a thing mm -hmm. that John Burr really wants you to know, that it's comfy in his negative zone spaceship. Yeah. Um. Right. As com the, this is more like it. Comfortable as the exploratory module is, I prefer my own method of flying, says yeah. the human torch as he like zooms out of the spaceship. Yeah, because it doesn't look comfortable, right? You're sort of like in these little capsules and crammed face first. Into yeah, like you're all pillar. just looking at each other. If you had to get on an airplane and just be stood up and facing somebody else, I don't know if I'd go anywhere. Um, but apparently Reed made it work. Um and like Reed sets up some device to, to study this planet that they don't know anybody's living on. And then he immediately gets hit with like one single dart that makes him go uh, like rock solid and tip over. Instantly knocks him out. Yeah, it's very funny. And the Fantastic <laughs> Four and the thing like uh, wreck the planet, basically. I, I wanted to say one thing. Utah, which oh. ends up being the name of the big city that's in the background, mm -hmm. is also uh, – I don't know if it's a common word in – like slang or whatever, but in Love and Rockets comic books, especially the Gilbert Hernandez issues, people say Utah. No, in both, in both Jaime and Gilbert's Love and Rocket stories, both creators, Utah is like a an exclamation of like, oh boy, which is, can be used to say like, oh, that's an attractive person, or like, uh oh, we're in trouble. Like the Utah's kind of said a fair amount. I wonder if like somebody in the Marvel offices was like, oh, let's try Utah as like a <laughs> Alien, or, or if it just, it also is a simple word I can imagine people arriving at independently, too. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if Byrne was reading Love and Rockets. So there you go. Um, okay. Yeah. So Reed gets knocked out, and Ben and Johnny spring into action and just start fighting. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, uh, the thing rips a rock off, knocking four or five people onto like fall, uh, you know, four or five people fall into other rocks and I assume get concussions and badly injured. The FF the start fighting right away all the time. Oh, yeah. Especially the thing in the torch. They seem itching to fight, <laughs> and I kind of love it. Uh, but even Sue punches uh, this woman in the in the chin. <laughs> well, she, you know, this this the woman who was the exile is like sneaking up on Reed with a knife. So. Sure, sure, sure. Just saying. It's a violent comic. Yep. But then, Kevin, all the action is halted. Right, because an old crone uh, – <laughs> there's a great panel here of Thing carrying like 30 guys um, in a pile. Uh, but yeah, an old crone basically says, ah, the prophecy. There's a prophecy of four 
people from outer space showing up with great powers to help them. Which just happened. Yeah, it's a true thing. And so she goes into one of Byrne's little backstory bits where we learn the backstory of this planet uh, where everybody used to live in the city. Um, and then one day they woke up afraid of the city and ran out and were too afraid to ever go back in. And But the city kept like growing. Is that basically the gist of it? Yeah, that's the gist of it. I I feel like that's never explained too well. But if you understand it, I'd love to hear when we get to that part. The, uh, there they, is an explanation for that at the end of the comic, but it's yeah, I mean, faint that, to me. That is the – I mean, they say in this story that they built a living brain uh, to help run the city. Yeah. And then that brain gave life to the city, and the city was like, I don't want these people living inside me. Yeah, they're like parasites, and I'm scared of them, so I'm going to make them scared so they leave. Yeah. Okay, I guess that's the explanation. Yeah, I don't think there's much more to it than that. We don't know that at this point. We just know they've been forced out, and the city is growing. Um. And they want the Fantastic Four to help. And the Fantastic Four, the Fantastic Three, because Reed's in a coma, say, yeah, let's do it. And Sue is, the, Sue is the leader when Reed is out. Yep. Uh, as she should be. That's very X-Men. Um, to, kind of, to kind of have discussions over who's in charge now yeah, that yeah. our regular leader is not around. Uh, then we cut back to uh, New York City where Franklin is fighting a nihilist. Yeah. And um, that's not a fair fight. No, he loses immediately. He's thrown into a wall. He hits his head pretty hard. Um, that kid's going to have to go to the doctor. He's got some brain damage, I'm sure, at this point. <laughs> um, you know that, like, Kurt Busiek clocked that panel. Is like, ah, oh, write an FF story that makes use of that. <laughs> Franklin's uh, yeah, so, latent so, brain trauma. Annihilus was hoping Franklin still had his cosmic powers, which I guess in some previous to this issue, not by Byrne, was a plot point. But because that's been walled off by Franklin himself, he doesn't have those powers anymore. So Nihilus just takes him to where he's hung Alicia upside down, and he's going to hang Franklin there as well. That's all we see of that. We cut back to the planet, I guess. See, it's weird to hang them upside down. That just seems unnecessarily brutal, Nihilus. Just tie him up. That'd be terrible for your knees. Um, okay, back on whatever, the planet of the people who say Utah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and the woman who we met in the beginning is getting ready to be a bride of Uta, and she's walking towards the city. Like, uh, and we don't know, we don't necessarily know what's going to happen, but Johnny and Thing are like, this seems like a King Kong spoof that yeah. John Byrne is writing, and <laughs> so they're watching very carefully, and they see a gun come up to shoot her, and they say, "Well, we're not going to let her die," and Johnny saves her. Johnny saves her, grabs her before the laser blasts. And uh, the thing, oh, basically they're like, oh, that laser is the planet accepting our tribute or the city accepting our tribute. Yeah. And so the thing throws a rock at the door and it also gets shot. It also gets accepted as a tribute. He's like, well, if the thing accepts big boulders as well as women. Yeah. Save your women. <laughs> save your this citizens. Is, yeah, this is not a thing that's really happening. And then everyone's like, oh, crap, we <laughs> killed all those women. <laughs> Um, and then the torch and thing wreck the place. Yeah, they start wrecking the city. Meanwhile, Reed wakes up, and when he wakes up, he just explodes into a bunch of coiled limbs. Yeah, it's a very fun panel. Also, like they mentioned that the 
poison will wear off, but Reed takes credit for it himself. He says, <laughs> the cosmic ray radiation in my cellular structure allowed me to forcibly overcome the paralysis. I think it just wore off. Yeah, good good try, Reed. Nobody's there to hear you. You don't need to brag. <laughs> uh, um, but because he was in a coma, he was listening in on everything, and he solved the mystery of the story, but he couldn't say anything because his dumb teammates have gone off to do something he thinks is wrong. And that thing is they find the brain of the city. I guess they are not subject to the fear that the residents have yeah. had. Uh, and they're also strong enough to get by the laser gun defenses. And they wreck the brain that's in the middle. Yeah, they kill the city, basically. And Reed tries to stop them, saying, hey, this is like a sentient being. You shouldn't do that. Uh, but too late. The brain is dead. The city is dead. And all the people move back into the city and immediately, I think, just start throwing poop on the walls. <laughs> well, this is throwing pieces of the brain and stuff that's been sludged aside oh, okay. or whatever. Okay, that but, makes more uh, sense. They just start trashing the place. They just go into full looting and rioting mode. Yeah, imagine if like you were like, hey, Will, I got you this new mansion to live in. Oh, great. And then you're like, oh, I'm going to wreck this place immediately. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know. Leave it nice for a couple. Like, it's your place now. It seems to be said that you know they've that these residents have devolved into sort of primitive status, and they kind of like no longer know what to do with the city, so they kind of wreck it, sort of. So they didn't seem this primitive until this moment. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't quite fashioned. It doesn't they quite seem add to understand up. not to wreck a place for no reason. Um. So I guess that's ironic, right? The people that we are sympathetic with, gosh, I hope they get their city back, mm -hmm. turns out to be a bunch of jerks. Yeah, I mean, and that's a burn thing. I mean, it, maybe it's a Marvel thing where these stories feel like they're going one way. Yeah, it's a very sci-fi like, short story thing. Yeah, a know? lot of these issues we've read have been, right? Like the demons that were attacking that town were actually helping the girl, protecting the little girl, and, and they yeah. weren't bad guys. And Doom is good. I don't think he was good. <laughs> uh, but that's that story. Well, we've got two more to cover. Okay, good. Uh, 253, The Quest. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Still we're back in the to a normal, a normal um, oriented comic. Whew. Um, yeah, we so we're just, it's a one and done story. Yeah, all, all these first, all three that we're covering today are. Yep. Uh, in the splash page, I like that it says the fabulous Fantastic Four learn the dark secret of the quest. When the name of your group is Fantastic Four, when you want to make it special, you got to throw another adjective in front. That's right. They better start with an F. Yep. Um, and the spaceship, we start with a spaceship that looks kind of like a lightsaber or maybe a curling iron uh, <laughs> flying through space. Yeah. And there are some kind of green, kind of like, they kind of look like thing-shaped. They're not made of bricks, but they're roughly in that kind of like squat, yeah. round shape, but they're green and vegetable-ish. Yeah, they're big and blocky. Uh, and they're in sort of a ship that's a very run-down. Um, and they're going to inspect something that just kind of, they just their ship just picked up. Kevin, and what, what they, they just picked up oh, is the Fantastic Four. That's right. They've picked up the Fantastic Four. Uh, so they attack the Fantastic Four right away. Um, the Fantastic Four beat them up. <laughs> uh, and then the leader of the ship shows up and goes, hey, why is everyone fighting? Fair question. I sent you to check on this, not attack whatever's down here. 
Uh, the thing still wants to fight, but uh, Reed convinces the team not to. Yeah, they they calm down, uh, and then we get another. This is kind of similar pattern structure to last issue. Once you know, initial fight, leader calms them down, and then leader gives us the flashback story of their of his people's deal. Yeah, he gives it to them while feeding them food, uh, which Reed has a device to say this food is good. And there, and he ends up being right. Nothing weird yeah. happens with that food. And and so yeah, we get the story of this planet that was like surrounded by like forty moons. Um, and then they found out the planet was going to blow up a la Krypton. Yep. And so they all uh, climbed onto this curling iron ship. Well, 500 of them, or no, 20,000 of them of the millions of were did, chosen because yep. the rest of them kind of doomed to die. So just 20,000 are selected like on an arc to go save their species. Right. But in, on the takeoff, the planet blew up just as they were taking off and it ruined their nav computer. And so they realized – Oh, lost. we can't find this planet we were going to go to. So they put everybody but 500 people into suspended animation. And the 500 people will pilot the ship and get old and have kids and just live their lives over and over again until they get find a planet suitable. And when they do, they'll defrost everybody. Right. So this is like we're seeing the descendants of the initial 500. Right. Who themselves are the just a small section of the survivors of a planet. Yes. Um, and Reed's like, hey, I can fix nav computers. That's sort of my thing. And he does it like in two seconds, <laughs> which yeah, has yeah. got to make these guys feel dumb because it's been several generations of wandering through space. Well, it's also very funny. They go to it and like one of the first things they say is like, well, you can see that the core is inaccessible because it's like on a high ceiling. <laughs> it's like they couldn't build a ladder. <laughs> yeah, you have a couple lifetimes. I mean, I'll buy or even, it. Or even just stairs, like a pyramid or something. Yeah. Over a few lifetimes, you think you'd eventually be able to reach that ceiling. That's another story, like the story of trying to build a ladder. I mean, if that's the only reason they didn't fix this, that's on them. So Reed stretches up there and says he can fix it, and uh, he finds the planet they're gonna they're going to. Right, but first we cut back to Earth. We have this little pan, pan from the negative zone to Earth, where we go through like the interdimensional paint swirls <laughs> of the, and then the we barrier but yeah and we go of course kevin to the main character mm -hmm. of the fantastic four supporting cast julie angel that's right julie angel who uh johnny was starting to have a crush on but she but doesn't she, really like him she likes him as a friend yeah and she's not it. romantically interested no but her roommate sharon Selleck, does like johnny that's right and they are like sitting on newspapers i guess maybe Doing some hair stuff. They have an E.T. poster on the wall. Hmm. Um, I'll say this does look like a New York apartment. It looks a little roomy. Yeah, but they have a radiator out, you know, and, um, and they're it's crowded. Much, yeah, it's a little crowded, yeah. Doesn't seem like there's a lot of other rooms. Uh, I buy so, this. This is only slightly exaggerated New York apartment. Uh, this leads to the funniest part of the issue. Oh, yes. This is which, so funny. Which is where so Julie they, Angel calls Johnny Storm. Right. To, to see if she likes his her new haircut to meet yeah. up so that he can see if she likes he likes her haircut. Right. And she talks to somebody that doesn't sound human. <laughs> uh, who I assumed at the time was just the robot that answers their phones. Right. Like the robot I, receptionist. Yeah. So it's talk to somebody. I don't know who the FF have answering their phones. 
but the voice gave me goosebumps on my goosebumps spooky and i was like oh that's weird to sort of like call out the inhuman nature of this like robot receptionist they have yeah but we turned the page and it's not the robot receptionist the entity that answered the phone (laughs) took a message He's and holding he so, the phone. <laughs> he's so proud of himself for fooling somebody on this phone call. <laughs> fools, earthlings are all such fools and cretins. It's like I don't. You answered the phone. You're a fool. Yeah. Just let it ring. <laughs> Do they have phones in the negative zone? Is he like really well versed in phone? Like, did he know to pick up the phone and go hello? Right. <laughs> she called. She called and she's like Johnny. We. I uh, know. Uh, she calls and she goes hello. Fantastic for headquarters. Can I speak to the Human Torch, please? And he's he resp- not, which means denial is when he's not here. <laughs> so, so like, what's what's his response? Can I speak to the human torch, please? Fool! The human torch is not here. She goes, he's not? Well, when do you... You don't? <laughs> he will never be here. I don't know anything about this human torch. Well, then could I leave him at... Hello? Hello? Goodbye, <laughs> foolish human. <laughs> like, what? what is that side of the conversation? Or is he trying to fool them? Is he like going, oh, yes, this is the Fantastic Four switchboard? <laughs> that's, that's what I think. Um, Gosh, that's funny. Because he's so happy that he fooled her. Yeah. Uh, I'm afraid the Human Torch is unavailable right now, and I don't know when he'll be back. Click. <laughs> John Byrne is pretty good at thinking through his stories usually, but I'm going to say this is a lapse. <laughs> this is so dumb and I love it. I love it. I mean, the big laugh is not showing his side of the conversation because it is the most interesting thing that's happened in comic history since the talking horse tried to win a race. <laughs> I thought I was faster. So Annihilus has some kind of migraine or something and has to take yeah. his helmet off and we don't see his face, but like he's he's being tortured by his mask, his true face. Yeah, I don't know what that's about. I don't um, it's like a Doctor Doom like thing where he's ashamed yeah. of whatever he looks like under the helmet, which we don't see. I've read a lot of Annihilation comics, and I've read these, I assume, uh, but I don't remember this ever being a thing. So neither. Well, we cut back to the curling iron, which is arriving at its planet that it's been mm-hmm. looking for several generations. Reed Richards has been here for a day; they're already arriving. Yep, it's a beautiful planet filled with lots of life forms. It's, I mean, it looks incredible. It's a winner. So our captain and first mate, who are we were are revealed to be Kevin, romantic partners pretty soon. Oh boy. Head out onto the planet. Uh, and they're horrified and they run back into the ship. Yeah. Uh we don't know specifically what they're horrified by. They just the whole vibe of it weirds them out. Yeah, I think just it not being an old spaceship, I think is what we learn is what vi- weirds them out. Yeah, they can't deal. Because they've spent their whole life growing up in a metal box. Um, and so they go back <laughs> in and um, they're like, well, let's take off. And Reed's like, no, I think you guys, you guys don't understand. Like you've evolved to a point where you don't want to leave this spaceship. But all those people in suspended animation haven't evolved. So you should at least let them out here. Yeah, and then you can go back into the spaceship if you want. But they're right. not having it. They just take off. Yeah, they're taking off. They think the Fantastic Four are evil for wanting to like unleash their, uh, you know, ancestors onto this planet. Yeah, uh, the Fantastic Four try to fight them, um, but then the captain and the first mate have a conversation, and we learn the real secret of the quest, um, which is a twist, which we'll find out in a second. Um, which is that? Uh, oh, was it not right yeah, away? Yeah, it's like. It's two pages later, but go ahead. 
which is that uh, everybody, uh, all those people in suspended animation are dead. Yeah, so the only people alive are the 500, original 500 and their descendants. So there's no reason to stay on the planet if they don't want to stay on it. Yeah. And uh, also the first mate and the captain were uh, part romantic partners. The captain is now dead. The shock of learning this killed him. Yeah. Uh, it is quite I, – I was kind of moved in a dumb sci-fi way when when the first mate was like – the to save the others from the madness and despair which have now claimed my captain, my life mate. Yeah, so basically they're going to live this lie because it's better than um, telling everybody – yeah, that that you're it. Yeah, and so um, the the curling it, iron continues its thing, and the egg, the Fantastic Four egg, leave the big curling iron ship. I will say at the very beginning, they checked their life form readings, and they said they detected um there's uh, uh there's two distinct life types in the ship, one with a nearly human met met metabolic rate met metabolic metabolic. There it is. Oh man. One with a nearly human metabolic rate, and one with a heartbeat so slow they'd be nearly dead by our standards. Who's that? Um, that must just be one of the one of the five hundred is real lazy and slow. Because <laughs> that I, I assumed that meant the people in suspended animation. Uh, so maybe they're alive, and this was just a lie to get the Fantastic Four off the ship. Double so twist, <laughs> triple twist. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, that line confused me when it's all said and done. But I like the story otherwise. I remember really digging it when it came out. Um, I, I'm liking it okay. It felt – reading them quick in a row and not like month to month, it was like a little similar to the last one. It's like – Yeah. I mean I think all three of these feel that way. And that, that was sort of my complaint with some of the other Finesse Four issues. These issues are not my favorite burn issues. These sort of like science fiction, Star mm. Trek Twilight Zone issues. Um, I enjoyed these I think more than I have the previous ones. Maybe I'm just in the in the vibe and the mood and the rhythm yeah. of them. Uh, but there is something a little bit um, not as exciting as like the gladiator fight we just had or the doom stuff or, you know, the classic superhero stuff we've been having more right. recently. Right. Um, well, uh, should we go on to the next issue? 254? Yeah, let's go on to the 254, the last one we're covering today. Yeah. The Minds of Mantracora. Yeah, that's a very marvelish name. Um, kind of looks like on the cover, look a guy who looks like he's one of the orgy participants from Eyes Wide Shut is sort of looming over the Fantastic Four. I have to assume that I felt like a Clash of the Titans ish costume to me. That's, that makes more sense. Something that had to come out as opposed to a movie that was ten years away. That what you're <laughs> saying makes more sense. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's like a guy in his gold mask that has like a beard shaped in it, almost pharaohish, but like kind of somewhere between a pharaoh sarcophagus and like the science fiction helmet and he's like this tall leader that's like i don't know got a bunch of followers um, it's another primitive society there's not a lot of like super evolved places in the negative zone yeah you know everyone's kind of like tribal and like this is my mate many moons shall go before life day shall we that's... do the ceremonial spearing of the fish or whatever yeah again it's very star trek to me uh, and he chooses two people to come with him into the bowels of the planet, and they scream, and then we cut away to the Vitesivore who are already on this planet in disguise. Yes, they're already here. Uh, I kind of like Ben and his their, – their disguise sort of like Arab uh, mm -hmm. like sheiks or whatever, just like you know, covering up their 
you know, wearing robes to shield from the sun. Yes. It's kind of fun. Just we have no idea like how they landed, how they got these robes, where they bought the horse, like yeah. what their initial interaction was. We don't know any of that. It's also just crazy to me that they went on this, like they've been now here for weeks, months. How long have they been here? Uh, weeks. At We've least been weeks. in the negative zone for two months now, they say. Um, Which is the amount of time that the comic book has been going. Uh, uh, it's crazy that um, they have a kid. <laughs> yeah, get back there. I realize time might not be passing for him. He might be like, oh, you were only gone a day. Right. But, but they don't they just... miss him? Yeah. You're thinking you would miss Cameron, your quote If I was gone son. for two months, I would miss my child. Yeah. But what if you were having so much fun, like two different alien races had really sad things happen to them? Would that keep it going for you? And that was a big part of causing that? That would yeah. sort of entertain me. <laughs> anyway, so they're in this cart being pulled by a, a camel alien. Um, and they're heading towards like a weird castle building. And there's there's weird energy readings from the castle. So Reed's little scientist brain is intrigued. Yes. And we see the helmeted guy watching them arrive and he sees Reed and he goes, ooh, Reed's smart. Yeah, he can somehow detect that. Just like all villains, he has access to anything we see. All villains have access to whatever the reader sees, Mm information-wise. So they go to a hotel. (laughs) Or or like an inn. Yeah. They get get some rooms. rooms. Uh, Reed and Sue want to have sex. This time they definitely are having sex. I said last time that it sounded like there was a hint of romantic interlude for them. Yes. This is no doubt about it. Yes, for sure. This time, why don't you come back in an hour or so, baby brother? Sue says to Reed. Um, Um, And so Reed and Thing go out to explore slash wreck things. (laughs) Immediately just cause everything to go wrong. Johnny sees a bunch of uh, human humanoid women in bikinis. He wants in on that action. Yep. So he goes to investigate, but it's a mugging scheme. They try to mug him. Yeah, they've lured him with women. Yeah. So they attack him and uh, the thing. And uh, once the thing's robe is off, they're like, well, everyone knows we're not from this place. So Johnny immediately bursts into flames, which is a terrifying <laughs> thought. And they just just kick everyone's butt. Yeah. Um. Then we get to Reed and Sue uh, post uh, Hamana Hamana. Mm-hmm. And uh, we get a kind of interesting visuals of a shirtless Reed Richards Stretching all about because, oh, yeah, because like some bad guys or envoys of the king come in and say, seize them and shirtless Reed starts fighting. Right. And so they're fighting. But then like the weird um, Clash of the Titans orgy dude comes in, says, stop this. Just like every issue, there's a fight. And then the leader comes in and says, stop this. I got a flashback to say. And then just like every issue, we cut to Annihilus who's working on his plan. I, I wish he was just a few doing, more. Yeah, answering the phone, just doing admin for the Baxter building, like <laughs> he's filing he's, stuff. Yeah, well, they their haven't taxes done their taxes all in a while. <laughs> yeah. They should be deducting more. We go. <laughs> the fools. <laughs> um, uh, and then he does something to the Baxter building, which makes everyone like run away from it. Taps into their minds somehow. Uh, and this panicking crowd runs by future Fantastic Four member She-Hulk and the Wasp. Yep, She-Hulk is on the Avengers right now. They go to investigate, and Annihilus has surrounded the Baxter building with an invisible shield that they can't penetrate. Yeah, Um, and so we cut away from that. We don't know what's... And this has only been like a day or two. 
Right. So, um, that's so we cut news. back. We cut back to the negative zone, and uh, Reed puts a shirt on. Yeah, and uh, goes walking with the leader um, to see what information he has. Right, Johnny and the thing run up and go, "Hey, we've blown our cover." It's like, yeah, by taking off your costumes and attacking everybody. <laughs> it's not like it's not like this planet outsmarted you. You guys are just idiots. Um, they go. Um, but, they're they're brought to the keep, which is in the middle of the city. They're given food, but this time it's drugged, and Reed is knocked out. Reed's always taken out. Yeah, yeah. The, they say this. They tested this one too, and they didn't notice any drugs in it. But uh, Reed tastes it when he's eating it anyway, <laughs> but doesn't stop drinking it, and then <laughs> passes out face first into his you know mush. Yeah, he was uh, having a second helping, and he's like, "Huh, this draft tastes distinctly of barbitu," but he already had a glass, so I guess he was yeah. like. Hey, it tastes like perpetuous, but that doesn't like, mean it's bad. My device says it's good, so I'm going to keep drinking. <laughs> I trust my technology. Uh, we cut to the Fantastic Three, who are now captured in some sort of white room. Mm-hmm. With stone floor that Ben rips the stone up, and there's like a big metal floor. Mm-hmm. Reed is strapped into some device that the Clash of the Titans guy has a bunch of, I think, dead bodies uh, all yeah, strapped like in a, by their heads. It's like a matrix thing where he's like tapping their intellect for some reason uh, and absorbing their life essence. Uh, and Reed is the, the somebody that he thinks is going to push him over the edge for whatever his plan is, which I sort of forget what it is. Um, well, he's. Um, but, we find but, out that he's not a humanoid creature. He's a, he's a little like salamander thing. <laughs> yeah, who sits on like little robot arms. <laughs> and so that whole... Clash of the Titans orgy costume was just a costume. He's like a tiny little guy inside there. Uh, he's, I guess he's monologuing. Oh, no, Reed's awake. So he's monologuing to Reed about this. Yeah, so he's an alien who landed in the city and like took over or something like that. Yeah, and I guess this is to get do something to help him get off the planet. I don't, I don't, I lost track of it. Yeah, anyway, we cut back to the Fantastic Four who were trying to get out, but like the floor won't melt. The thing can barely break it. But the torch is able to melt like a a, a a single thing fingers width wide. And once he can get his grip in there, then he's strong enough to rip it all open. Yeah, so they rip it open. They jump down into the tunnels. Uh, they wreck everything on the way because that's what they do. They find Reed. They rip him out of the machine. <laughs> <laughs> Might be a bad idea. Yeah, well, maybe it puts him into shock and kills him. I'm not sure. Salamander bad guy says he was he needs psionic power to blast mm-hmm. away from there and go home. Okay, great. Uh, they rip Reed out, but it's too late. Reed is brain dead. Yeah. And that's the end of the story. Yeah, Reed is dead. Forever dead, or at least brain dead. And that's the end. So we'll if find I remember out. correctly, that sticks. <laughs> yeah, I don't think Reed comes back. Yeah. Listeners of this podcast will be surprised to have heard us talking about Reed Richards for all this time. Yeah, they're like, Reed Richards? I feel like I've read about him in some sort of uh, uh, old classic books about old comic book characters. Him in like, the original Daredevil character and uh, things like that. Yeah. Fantastic Four is Sue Storm, Johnny Storm, Ben Grimm, and um, Happy Hogan. Happy, Happy Hogan took its place. Yeah. He's a great leader of the Fantastic Four. Um, yeah. So we'll we'll continue this cliffhanger next week, Will Hines. I can't wait. Did you read ahead? No. Me neither. Interesting. All right. Let's take a break and then do some correspondence. And we're back. Kevin, 
You dig up some correspondence. I'll tell our listeners. You can email us, screwitcomics at gmail. You can also tweet at us, screwitcomics. Instagram us, screwitcomics. We'd love to hear your thoughts on the Fantastic Four or uh, Ticket Kev's suggested names for our media segment. Um, you know, it, what would have happened if Reed Richard hadn't died just now? Uh, anything you'd like to say? Uh, so we've got at least two segment name suggestions. Let me read those real quick. Okay. Uh, Robert Christ, frequent emailer, uh, emails. He suggests instead of focusing on the screw part of our name, we focus on one of the other words. How about the it or talk <laughs> okay. words? Okay. Uh, he goes, or use the whole thing and go for screw it. We're just going to talk about not comics. That actually... Makes sense. <laughs> so that's uh, uh, Robert's suggestions. We also have a suggestion from future co-host Brian Hines. Okay. Uh, at the Screwvies, <laughs> he suggests. <laughs> well, that, that's good if we're talking about movies. Yeah. It sounds pornographic. <laughs> uh, we might have more, but I don't know where they are. So those are the two I have identified quickly. Okay. Um, going back. To February 1st, Will, we've got some emails. We're catching up with our actual t- – we're only a month behind right now. That's right. That's right. Because we do these like – and then we take like two months off from answering mail. It is crazy. <laughs> um, this is from Justin who's emailed us a bunch. Nice guy. I like Justin. Often uh, corrects us using uh, official handbooks of the Marvel Universe. Yeah. Um, he's got a bunch of points here. So I'm going to read most if not all of them. These are short and poppy. Um, he loved our comparison of Marvel to the UCB. <laughs> yeah, he's one of the few people who would know it. Yeah, that hit me right in the sweet spot. Um, and he talks about Ultimate Spider-Man, which we've mentioned a few times. Come on, this was an impressive run. It was so good. It might be Bendis's best run ever, certainly the most cohesive. And Bagley, some of his best work, too. And they beat Stan and Jack's FF run. I'm not going to say you have to cover it, but come on, you have to cover it. As a listener of every episode, it pains me to say it. Will is right. I know, I know, but he is. Which, I mean, I even admit. I'm wrong to not like – he's citing the fact that I said I don't like Ultimate Spider-Man. I don't. Somebody posted a page that they loved from it, and I was like, oh, man, I hated that page. Uh, <laughs> and I get why people love that page, and maybe if we have recovered, I'll go into more details. But um, it just it, it just doesn't work for me. We should at least – and I, and I don't think it's bad. I just think it just doesn't work for me. We should at least do a mini season on it, I think. Sure, sure. It's very – yeah. It's like, a, it's like 200 issues long. <laughs> Spend an episode. Well, we could, we could do – some episodes just on the beginning of it, like just on yeah, the yeah. first 10 or 20 issues or something. Uh, he asks, New Warriors, when? <laughs> then he Never says, read. Gethard's 1,000 issue run of Captain America, <laughs> when? 1,000. Um, uh, let's see what else we got here. Uh, let's see. Um, make some points about some of our X-Men issues. I'm going to skip through those. Um, he asked about our thoughts in the James Gunn led slate of movies. I think we covered that a few episodes. I mean, after he emailed us, but before now, yeah. Um, he wants to know why Claremont didn't bring the vanisher back. <laughs> uh, no, he's saying, why didn't he? Because he's a dope. <laughs> well, I think that's all the more reason to bring it back. I love the vanisher. <laughs> Just, you have uh, to let me try to rob the bank. It's not a crime until I do it. Yeah. And he thinks uh, cop unions are why the Vanisher did not go to jail. 
for letting that guy rob a bank in front of him. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that was the story where the vanisher asked a cop to take him into a bank to help him rob it. And they were going, like, we'll arrest you after you've done it. And then he just <laughs> vanished after he got the money. Um, here's an older email from our brother, Brian, from February 2nd. Um, this is back when I said something different in our intro, Will. Okay. Uh, I heard Kevin state that when he's doing the episode's introductions and he says he's a host slash brother, that everyone listening thinks he's their brother. Um. He went on to clarify that he was speaking specifically to Will. Kevin then added that technically uh, I would also qualify, but he's referring to Will in this situation. Um, Thus, I, and I quote, am the only listener getting the correct message. So Brian is the only listener getting the correct message. He goes, you are wrong. Thanks to your vague introduction, I assume you're a brother in the church. You have taken vows (laughs) of chastity, poverty, and obedience, but you're not ordained. Please re-record all openings. So he's saying he didn't even realize we were talking about him. Right. The one person who would have been correct in assuming that you meant him brother to the listener. Did not assume it. Ugh. Are are you a religious ordained brother? Uh, I guess I'm in the Universal Life Church. I married some people once, but uh, okay. I don't consider myself a brother in that sense. Okay. Uh, Gary Sassaman wrote us uh, when we were talking about X-Men and Avengers and Daredevil. Um, I think he, this is back when we were talking about X-Men and we had talked about how X-Men felt rushed. Yeah. And we weren't sure whether or not like, uh, because of this Tom, uh, Brevort, uh, uh, Brevort, 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 yeah. Brevort, uh, gonna, even article. though it's B-R-E, you gotta remember it's Bree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the key. Um, I don't that. plan to get it right anytime soon. Okay. Um, we were, tra- we were remembering that article where he sort of was trying to figure out the order of those comics and which ones was rushed. Uh, and he cited that article, but I think we talked about that in the daredevil episode. So I'm not going to go into those. Okay. This email in depth, but yes, thank you for pointing that out. Carrie Sassaman. Uh, those are great. Again, the Tom Brevoort blog is great. And he does talk about X-Men Avengers one and daredevil one. And sort of the questions of like, we're one of these pushed f- rushed to make up for the other one not being ready because they had to get something printed or something. Um, And it's unclear what the order is. Um, And he, then he, oh, but he does talk about, he raves, he loves about these mighty Marvel masterwork series that Marvel has started up again. So the masterwork series will are these Marvel collections that used to be hardcovers of like the old original Marvel comics. Okay. I remember the old hardcover ones and they started doing them again, but as like paperbacks. Okay. Uh, so they're cheap, like 16 bucks. They're digest size. So like they're a little smaller than a regular comic book, but not a, way small. Okay. They're not like the digests we had. They're not paperback book size. Right. Um, uh, and he says he loves them. You get 10 full-size issues plus annuals. Um, uh, and he loves them. I also love them. I bought the Spider-Man ones, even though I have the Ditko Spider-Mans in like four other formats. So I do also love those. Um, he wants to see us covered the Steranko run of Nick Fury. It's only about 22 issues long, he says. And it's super influential. Yeah, that'd be a great. I read half of that and it's good. Okay. What a rave. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so maybe, maybe we'll read this. Um, Dean Spencer sent us an email with a panel from a recent 
not that recent, but uh, um, maybe a few years ago during the War of Realms crossover event that Marvel did where Spider-Man meets a talking horse. <laughs> um, this horse does not claim he's going to win every race, but he is a talking horse. He is a talking horse, and that is pretty cool. So he, Dean, I guess, is suspecting, is this the same talking horse as the one from early Marvel Comics? I don't think so, because this one has wings. What do you think, Will? I mean, it could be that he grew wings after losing that race, and he's just trying mm. to, you know, be ready for the next one. I'm going to give you a no prize. Hey, I love it. Um, okay, let's read a couple more. We got this email from Ed. Uh, it says, it's an annual report. Uh, hello, fellow MMM members, Mary Milksop Marching Society. Mm-hmm. Last year, when I you like read, that people put Milksop before marching. I think that's so funny. <laughs> it, it does sound better. The Merry Marching Milksops, uh, they're both pretty good. Merry Milksop. <laughs> Just, the Milksops are marching. It's not <laughs> It's not a marching society made up of Milksop. I don't know. I, I guess it could work either it's way. A, it's Milksop. It's the Milksop Marching Society. Okay. Yeah, you're right. That does work. That does work. They both work. <laughs> I don't know what's right. It's all <laughs> insane. Um. So last year, you read my email on your podcast. It was the highlight of my podcast listening career. <laughs> I tried to go back to add a Stan Lee note to this email. Asterisk, this happened back in Mutants and Mailbag 65, smiling Stan, but could not find it after an hour of scanning through the last 20 minutes of every show from April through May of 2022. Revisiting those episodes, I found them all to be pretty good. Um I really enjoyed the last year of your show. I think it is easier to keep up when you only cover one or two issues per podcast. The Marvel First has been my favorite season so far this year, but I also really like the Kurt Busiek section. I found the FF and Squadron Supreme harder to keep up with. Apparently reading three comics a week is a bridge too far for this listener. Mm -hmm. I do have one minor quibble with your coverage of X-Men number one. There was not one comment or I missed it if there was, that Scott Summers was just called Slim for oh, the right. entire issue. That's right. We did not talk about We've talked about that before, but we didn't talk about it in that episode. We didn't talk about it in that episode at all. I do remember thinking that when I read it, and it just slipped my mind. We now, it. now and then, people will call him Slim as a nickname, like in the Claremont era, which yes. is a clear, like, either Easter egg or homage or just, like, using that first issue right. thing. But in that first issue, it treats it like that's his name. Yes, for sure. We did not tell. We should have. That's crazy. Slim Summers is a crazy name. <laughs> uh, for some reason, this was hilarious to me, and I couldn't wait to hear both of you discuss it. The point of this comic gold is completely missed by the only two brothers in history to host a podcast. <laughs> in hindsight, I'm not sure what could have been discussed that would have actually been funny, but I think it was a missed opportunity. I think he's right. I think he's right. We should have talked way more about Slim Summers. We should have talked about Slim Summers and that Magneto signed his name in cursive in the sky. Those are the two things that I'm mad we didn't talk about. We really blew that episode. Yep. We were rushed, just like Jack Kirby was rushed when he drew it. (laughs) Uh, My favorite part of your podcast is when you call out something in a story I may have missed upon first read. Uh, This was true of this man, this monster. While I liked reading it, hearing your thoughts elevated it significantly in my mind from a good issue to have. It shot up to one of my top 10. Also, the nearness of you from Kurt Busiek. The Ugh. ending had a lot more impact after hearing your thoughts. However, no story has ever had more impact than The Talking Horse. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in the Ant-Man origin comic. And your description of that story was amazing. Why did the jockey think the horse could also see the future just because it could talk? 
<laughs> was it wise to bet all of his money and huge loans based on what a horse told him? This may have been the best story I read this year. Keep up the great work. <laughs> the talking horse is a star. Um, let's see. Let's see. That's a long one. Let's save that for next time. Oh, here's one. Let's. Uh, this is from Michael. Uh, birthday comic books is a subject. Um, and he uh, says, "Don't read this part, so I'm going to skip it." Uh, um. Uh, so he talks about here is that somewhere he thinks we mentioned this or somebody mentioned this. Getting uh, uh, reading your favorite comic book character's comic book from the month you were born. And I did mention at some point getting a gift. My wife bought me the comic that came out the month I was born of Spider-Man. Right. So it wasn't about reading it, but it was about like as a gift. Yeah. Um, he, and he goes, mine was Amazing Spider-Man 269 from October 1985. I had no idea what I was in for. Uh, I Googled it, and lo and behold, it was a legendary Fire Lord issue. If you haven't read it, I highly recommend it. It's definitely up in the Screw It Comics alley. It's from the 80s. I agree. Yep. Uh, Fire Lord, former Herald of Galactus, wielder of the power cosmic, with access to the infinite universe, decides to get a slice of pizza from Queens for lunch. Uh, he is then immediately the victim of racism. Okay. He starts to battle with a local construction crew before our favorite hero swings in to save the day and battles a character he believes to be way out of his league. Uh, this isn't just any Spider-Man. This is Spidey in his new, at the time, black costume, fresh off his battle in the Secret Wars. What unfolds is an incredible two-part story showing how Spider-Man is the best hero in comics. Even out of his league, he knows he has to stop this maniac from destroying a conveniently abandoned New York City because he's the only one who can. Uh, then he went on to check some of his family members' first issues. Uh, my wife's was the issue where Peter Parker proposes to Mary Jane. Okay. Uh, yeah. My brother's has Spider-Man fighting the newest Spider-Slayer robot in Pittsburgh. <laughs> my sister's is part one of the return of the Sinister Six. Oh, wow. The David uh, and that is the issue that is worth the most on eBay. What was that? It's the David Michelini one, right? That we Yeah, we covered that. We, yeah. Um. Uh, anyway, enough bragging about how old my family is. I think this could make a great season of Screw It Comics. Have your usual gaggle of guests come on, discuss their favorite superhero and why, and then read the issue that was published the month they were born. If that can't apply to the guest's favorite hero, perhaps you read another significant date in that person's life, the month they graduated from high school or got their first job or had a baby, et cetera, et cetera. I know not everyone is going to have the same experience I did. There are only so many Heralds of Galactus after all. But I think this would make a really fun season and allow you guys to highlight some characters, creators, and publishing companies you might not otherwise have reason to. Um, keep up with the excellent work. I hope you enjoyed this email. We did. Uh, I think that's a fun idea. It'd be it'd be an interesting one. Yeah, we could um, it could be a segment when we have guests. By the way, the you know comic that came out the month you were born that we recommend. We demand they show us their IDs. <laughs> Uh, what do you want to do? One more? No more? What do you think? One more. Okay. How many more we got left? Uh, like eight. Okay. Let's do one more. Uh, okay. Okay. Um, here we go. This is from Zach in St. Paul. It's a request and a recommendation. 
Uh, I think of a comic that you may not know about but would love. Are you familiar with Mystery Science Theater 3000? Will? I am. Okay. Considering your comedy background, I'm sure you are. But did you know they made a Mystery Science Theater 3000 comic book as well? I did not. Uh, I was aware of this. I have not read it. I discovered this when I came across an issue in a comic book dollar bin and from there bought the trade. It was a six or eight issue miniseries published by Dark Horse in 2018. Anyway, just like the old TV show, it is hilarious. The gimmick is they take old golden age romance and horror comics and write themselves in. You should check it out. Now for my request. Please do the Simonson Thor run. I've never read Thor, but I've been meaning to after listening to you praise it. And following along with the pod would be awesome. Thanks for the great podcast. Um, I think there's a good chance we'll cover Walt Simonson's Thor at some point. In some fashion. Maybe we just do the two Beta Ray Bill issues. Like, that'd be a good sampler. I can also see it being following Burn as um, our... Um, yeah, yeah, a little... A little... Oh, yeah, just doing a bunch of Simons and Thors. Yeah. Like while we do emails. Oh, man, Gethard will be so mad when we don't do 120 issues of Captain America. <laughs> uh, I'm not saying it'll be the next one. I'm just saying I can imagine that. That's because yeah. that's what we've talked about a lot because we both love it. It's a great run. I'd love a chance, a reason to reread it. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a beautiful art. It's, you know, the best Thor run, most likely. Right. Uh, so we've got a handful more emails for next week, Will. We'll probably get a few more before then. Maybe we'll clear out our inbox. That'd be exciting. Be exciting. Inbox zero. Uh, until then, we do like four or five weeks of Zot, and then it'll refill up. Right. Um, hey, what are you going to do tonight? <laughs> let's, let's wrap up. <laughs> <laughs> I got to answer some emails. Uh, interesting. Get interesting. my tax forms together. Um, um, yeah. Going to read a little bit more of Alex Segura's Secret Identity. I recommend hiring Annihilus to help you with some of that stuff. <laughs> Annihilus! What? Answer the phones. Ha ha! You wish. And I mean, I have, but I have not taken any messages. Yeah. You've got some important phone calls. And I told them you were not home. <laughs> Annihilation! <laughs> I've uh, annihilated your social calendar. <laughs> Okay. Um, anyway, uh, we'll be back next week for more Annihilus and to see what they do with a dead read. So see you guys next week on Screw It. We're just going to talk about comics. Goodbye. So formal. <laughs> Bye. Screw it. Screw it. We're just going to talk about comics.